0: we had as a guest uh, barry nail who is co-founder of honest tea and mm-hmm. he, he and his co-partner wrote uh, a book mission in a bottle and he specifically talked about the, one of the mistakes they made with co-packers was they tried to negotiate too hard and if he had to do it over again he might have gone back and said look can i pay you more to offset some of these problems uh, so that you pay more attention to me uh, versus some of your largest customers, do you think you think that's good advice?
1: I do, and I will say we we've, we've done that a few times, right? Say, hey, we're this, we're maybe not who these big guys are, but we will be there someday, and like, let's build this relationship together. And we were willing to pay premiums to get line time because there's also an added layer to that of what's going on that nobody really likes to talk about. But with COVID is the can allocations, and now that everyone's moved off-site consumption and no one's drinking out of kegs anymore in bars, everyone's drinking out of cans right now.
0: This is C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CBG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to c to c everyone. Today we have a great guest, Allison Ellsworth, who is co-founder of a really neat beverage company called Poppy, and you're going to learn all about it today. So, uh, Allison, welcome to C2C.
1: Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, Allison, you've got sort of an interesting personal and family background. Um, could you could you walk our listeners through that, how you got uh, from a different industry into the food and beverage industry and what what that transition was like?
1: Yeah, so I think that I started off on a quite different path than where I thought I would be today. And it kind of starts back when I graduated from college. My family has always worked in the oil and gas industry, and it was an easy path for me to kind of hit the road and get to work. So I started working in oil and gas research, and I was traveling on and off for about seven years. And while I was on the road, it was kind of hard to stay healthy, to say the most. And I was in and out of hotels and all over the place and it's hard to work out and eat healthy and do different things. And so it really hurt my body and that sounds crazy to just say hurt my body, but it hurt it in so many different ways. From I was tired all the time. Um, I had bloating issues and digestion and skin and fog, brain fog, and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. So I ended up going to certain doctors, and I probably spent four years going in and out, thousands of dollars. No one could really figure out what was going on, and it was back before really anyone was talking about gut health or healing your body through food and all natural ways. But I was so desperate. I went to the internet. What I think a lot of people do is kind of can be scary is Googling symptoms and um, kind of web MD. And I came across an article that drinking apple cider vinegar could reset and detox your body. And, I was a little desperate at that time and I said, Vinegar really? Okay, I guess I'd heard of it in the Master Cleanse and maybe someone had told me to do that in the past. And I, at that point, I kind of felt like I didn't have much to lose. So I went to the store, I got the big bottle of the apple cider vinegar, I got a big cup of water. I put the vinegar in it and I started drinking it. And I said, okay, I'm going to give this two weeks. I'm going to commit to doing this every day for two weeks. And what I was actually shocked is like after two days, I started to see a difference. But I didn't want to get my hopes up too much because I had been dealing with a lot of this stuff for a while. And so really when that two-week mark hit, I knew that there was something to this apple cider vinegar thing. Um, All of a sudden my stomach felt better. I had more energy. I was sleeping better, which in return made me want to eat healthier and get more exercise And it. And it just kind of set me on this path of health and wellness. Right. But there was one issue is I could not really see myself drinking straight apple cider vinegar every day for the rest of my life. And Gary, I don't know if you've tried straight apple cider vinegar, but have you ever had it straight?
0: Only on a salad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. A lot of people don't think, oh, hey, I'm going to drink vinegar and it's going to do all these things to you. And so it tastes horrible. Let me just say that. And there's the hardcore people out there that love taking shots of it and that love the taste of it. And I say cheers to you, but that's not me. And so um, I – looked at Steve and I said, look, this is really helping me. I absolutely love to cook. It's what I spend all my free time doing. I love doing recipes that take me five days if I from a brisket to, uh, you know, certain baking and different things. So I thought, well, why don't I try to create something to make this taste better? And I was really just doing this for myself. Uh, so that I could sustain drinking this every day. At the time, I did not think, oh, hey, I'm going to sell this and kind of become what we are today. So there was another little interesting part to that that a lot of people don't realize is I really wanted to create something that tasted good and was healthy. and But people don't realize that's really hard to do to create something that tastes good and is healthy. Usually those two things actually don't go together. People think they do and they want to say something tastes amazing and you're like, does it? Um, But I didn't want to have 200 calories and I didn't want to have a ton of sugar because at the end of the day I was trying to heal my body through what I was eating. So, and what I was putting in it. And so I kind of came after two or three months and lots of different versions up with the secret recipe that I made in my kitchen and I had probably seven different flavors. And all of a sudden I was given to Steven and my neighbors. And I was just really excited to share the first version of Poppy. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a, that's a great story. And so um, is that the company's mission and strategy or is it, uh, is, is there a more overarching mission that, uh, that Poppy has?
1: So I think that's where it started. Um, And kind of like I mentioned before, the center of all of this is gut health, right? And healing your gut from within because, you know, a lot of people say the stat where 70% of your body's immunity comes from your gut. And if you have a healthy gut, you just feel better. And that's a really hot topic right now. But back then, I didn't fully understand that. So at that time, I wouldn't say that was our company's mission because I was still working in oil and gas. This was a hobby, and I was pushing it. And then after that, we went on to the farmer's market and grew from there. And at, and to me, it was more just creating a culture of happiness, one delicious drink at a time. Hmm, hmm. Yeah.
0: and And so beverages crowded crowded space in the food and beverage industry so how do you how do you fight for shelf space and how do you carve out a successful niche
1: yeah so we went through quite the process so when we originally started where it started in my kitchen and we took it onto the farmer's market um we were there within three days or excuse me three weeks and we kept selling out, we kept selling out, we kept selling out. And then the third weekend, the Whole Foods buyer actually was going to the booths. It was in Dallas, Texas. Whole Foods headquarters is in Austin. And she was up there visiting her her mom. And she came up to me and she said, Hey, get me, give me a sample. The time I didn't know she was a Whole Foods buyer. She tried our product. She said, You have to be on Whole Foods shelf. And I thought, hmm. Like, this is a hobby, <laughs> you know, like, this is crazy. Like, okay. And finally I looked back at Steven and I said, Hey, maybe we have something here. We, after that ended up, I quit my job. I was three months pregnant. I was, I just went all in. We opened our own manufacturing facility to get on the shelf and 14 Whole Foods in Dallas. Now, looking back, that's crazy. And you said, you know, fighting for for self, shelf space back then it meant a very different thing. Um, but after that, we went on to grow and manufacture ourselves for a while, to which we eventually outgrew that very quickly. To getting on Shark Tank, getting a deal on Shark Tank, and then we actually took a step back after getting a deal. Because our product that we originally launched was Mother Beverage. And we took a year off. And we looked at the market and we looked at what would work well on the shelf. And I think that's a lot, really hard as an entrepreneur when you have momentum. We had just gotten a deal on Shark Tank to actually take a step back versus saying, like, let's get it. But we wanted to really make sure we came out of the gate super strong. So we spent about eight months doing consumer su- studies. We went to the shelf and put our prototype cans on there, whether we should do color packaging, whether we should do white packaging, um, whether we should do can or bottle. Cause before we were in bottle and we, we learned obviously cans are more sustainable. So we ended up going with cans, which was a great decision, but um, we, we, changed our name to Poppy. And originally it was mother. And so there's a lot of things that went into it, but Mm. really what's so important to that shelf space is being seen, right? Our colors are very, um, bright. We stand out. A lot of people will, will say, Oh, Hey, the packaging was what caught my eye and what made me buy your product. And then I read the back of it And um, that the product was healthy. And then that just got me really excited. But it's a it's a crowded sector in itself. Um, And so fighting for that standing out, I think is really important and then having a great product.
0: That's an unusual story. I don't talk to too many entrepreneurs who say, hey, I had a great product that solved a, uh, you know, a, a problem you know, with gut health and everything you've mentioned. And then uh, I just stepped back for a year, took a year off and did the consumer research and really thought through packaging. Um, that's unusual most most people most people try to fix the airplane while it's in the air Um, so how did you swing that financially and emotionally and you know everything else that goes along with that
1: yeah so when we got a deal on the show Shark Tank it was with Rohan Oza who he actually is a beverage guy right he's been in the industry for a really long time um, he was behind brands like vitamin water smart water by um, worked at coke for years and they call him the brand father and so he said the second he tried our product he loved the liquid but he said the brand needs a lot of work and if we want to really come out of the gate strong there's a lot of work to be done and so at the time It was scary and frustrating and um, we thought, why would we pull back? But we all kind of knew it was the right decision because we wanted it to be amazing. And so I think looking back, we pitched to Whole Foods originally with mother got accepted for like I think seven regions of Whole Foods and then had to go back and be like, um just kidding, we're also in a can, we changed the name and it's colored packaging. Can we still Mm. so there was this What what
0: did Whole Foods think about that? Did they (laughs) did they take that as a negative or a positive?
1: Um, I think at that time it was just building the relationship and saying, look, we did the research. Here's this consumer studies. Here is what we are, are listening to people and what they're seeing and what they're liking and what they want. Um, and what really fits what we want to do. And it was, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, when if you have something that you're passionate about, I swear I can convince anybody to drink poppy because of how much I love it so we went in just like really 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 strong with believing in what we had and they saw that and I think that that he appreciated it and let us in
0: they respected they respected that you were thinking it through yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's excellent and having the mentor from coca-cola it sounds like you've had serendipity a couple of times you know the whole just Mm -hmm. bumping into a whole foods buyer at the farmer's market and getting a great mentor with all that beverage experience. Um, how much, how much do you think luck played in Poppy's success just, uh, you know, versus, you know, all of your blood, sweat, and tears?
1: You know, there's a lot of times looking back where at the time it seemed like that door that was slammed into our face and set us onto a different path Seem like the end of the world but I always think those things happen for a reason so I don't know about luck if it's more just truly believing in and having faith and and what you're doing and then good things will happen if you are doing good things so I don't know if that's more of a karma thing maybe but um for me it's for me and Stephen who is the other founder and CEO and my husband we have like really strong values and how we want our company to be and um who we are as a family and who poppy is and so we're always trying to do things on the straight and narrow and good and just work hard and do good things and i think good things are just you know comes back around
0: Mm -hmm. excellent so this this category um you know, for lack of a better term, I guess we would call it the gut health beverage space. Um, it seems to be expanding. And just on, on this podcast, we've had a couple of guests like GT Dave from GT's Living Foods and all the work they've done with kombucha, uh, Julie Smolianski from Lifeway, um, Kefir uh, being mm-hmm. their gut health product. Um you know in your view is it expanding and how much how much does it make you nervous that if it is expanding there are a lot of options and a lot of competition emerging
1: you know we welcome it these are the things that build a category and they build awareness and education for the consumer so the more that people are talking about how important gut, gut health is it gets the customers excited about it It gets the retailers excited about it 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 brings it really to the forefront so it's like we're not out there alone trying to get this message out there Mm -hmm. and uh, poppy we really see ourselves as a soda versus you know gt dave who's a kombucha or a you know any kind of like product or living culture like like you were saying before so We do feel like we're in a different category, but we all kind of have the same goal. Back when we were uh, mother beverage, we used to think that we were a sister to kombucha and the way that we were positioned, but we soon found that people saw us closer to a soda or a full-flavored sparkling water. So we're kind of now pushing and fighting against the big soda companies versus like the kombuchas and... That kind of a category, but gut health, mm-hmm. I welcome it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know that often happens in a very, very new, leading edge category. At first, people, when they first hear about something, they go, "Oh, that's kind of weird." But maybe if they hear it from a second or a third offering in the marketplace, I guess it gives it credibility to to the whole space. And have you seen that in the in the number of years that you've been involved? Do you, do you see people more open to having a discussion about gut health?
1: Yeah, I think when we were going through this rebrand and deciding to rename it Poppy, on the front of our can it says Be Gut Happy, Be Gut Healthy. And my sister, who's been with us since the beginning and had tried it back in my kitchen you know, years ago, said, gut is such a weird word. <laughs> why would you put that on the front of your can? And I said, you're crazy. It's mm, trending. It's, yeah. it's, it's the rage. It's what everyone's talking about. And she thought it was crazy. And that was, you know, three years ago. Now she's like, all I ever hear is the word gut. So I think it has had an evolution and there's certain people that were at the forefront of it, but I think it's important. And a lot of people are talking about it right now. Mm. So I'm happy to be a part of that conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think it's, it's no longer a fad. Um, so you've had some great success and in, in great stories that you've told about Mother Beverage, which later was rebranded to Poppy. Looking back, uh, Allison, um, what are some things you could share with our listeners that you might have done differently?
1: Manufacturing, manufacturing, manufacturing.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, ah. Uh. You you said you got your own manufacturing facility. Do you wish you had started with a a co-man or a co-packer?
1: So yes and no, because the fact that we did just go right out the gates and open our own manufacturing facility gave us some insight into now that we are with co-manufacturers to how the process and we really understand our product and how it's made. Um, so I think that knowledge is is very invaluable. But what I think, um, you know, Bethany Frankel on Shark Tank yelled at me was get out of the kitchen, right? If you're manufacturing, and some companies do it amazing, right? So I don't think this is for everybody, but you you, you can't focus on the business, and so um, you're putting you know, caps on bottles, right. Instead of like growing and getting out there and getting more people to learn about your product. And so, and I think that it can be the biggest hindrance in holding you back, right. If you don't forecast and don't make enough, or if you make too much. And so it's always a gamble. And so I always tell people like looking back, I I'm glad we made a but I think we did it too long. We didn't mm. move quick enough into a co-man. Um, you know, which I think stunted our growth. And then to this day we'll forecast a certain amount and then we'll sell double and then we'll make four times and then we'll sell that. And so I think just believe in yourself when it comes to manufacturing and and going for it. If you really follow your gut,
0: no pun intended, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and how was the process for you when you finally did as you said maybe too late but eventually you did uh, find uh, co-packers how was that process did that finally help you really scale up well did it fix other problems for you
1: so it's it can be a little hard if you don't have the certain minimums That some of these like big manufacturers um want you to be you're kind of in this like middle road when you're trying to grow where you're with smaller manufacturing or you're going to a brewery and saying like hey do you guys have these capabilities and so you're kind of like piecing together this as you grow but I will say now it's not quite the same issue it was even a year ago because we are, we do have those velocities and we do have those numbers now. And it's, and it's a stair stepping process, but, um, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough, yeah. you know, to, to go. And then a lot of times the line time is booked by the big companies. Like they're not mm-hmm. going to push Coke off their line to fill our product So it's relationships. It's also me being crazy about the ingredients and the way that our product is made and making sure everything's sourced correct and made correct. So there's a lot of that that goes into it. But I think that comes out to make our product what it is.
0: That capacity problem with co-packers, we had as a guest, uh, Barry Nailbuff, who is co-founder of Honest Tea. And mm-hmm. he, he and his co-partner wrote uh, a book, uh, Mission in a Bottle, and he specifically talked about one of the mistakes they made with co-packers was they tried to negotiate too hard, and if he had to do it over again, he might have gone back and said, look, can I pay you more to offset some of these problems uh, so that you pay more attention to me uh, versus some of your largest customers? Do you think that's good advice?
1: I do, and I will say we've we've done that a few times, right? Say, Hey, we're this, we're maybe not who these big guys are, but we will be there someday. And like, let's build this relationship together. And we were willing to pay premiums to get line time because there's also an added layer to that of what's going on that nobody really likes to talk about. But with COVID is the can allocations. And now that everyone's moved offsite, um, consumption and no one's drinking out of kegs anymore and bars everyone's drinking out of cans right now so mm-hmm. we have that added layer um so and we're just having a stellar growth year and we're just seeing so much velocity and so much success that we don't want that success to like be stopped because we don't have enough cans so i agree with him do what you got to do make it happen
0: mm-hmm. So let's pivot a little now uh, to Allison, to the topic of innovation. You've talked a little bit about stepping back for a year, the consumer research, so you certainly have gone through some interesting innovation cycles at Poppy. Um, In your experience, if you try to get inside the head of an innovator, um, and a lot of folks who listen to this podcast are innovators in the food and beverage space, what are what are some of the mindsets or qualities or talents that, that you think characterize top innovators?
1: So probably one of my favorite innovators that I really enjoy to listen to, and maybe some people might not see him that way, but is Pat Lencioni. So what he does is he talks about healthy conflict and... Minimal turnover and making the workplace healthy in uncomfortable ways.
0: Mm. And
1: I I love doing things different. And I think that's what makes you stand out and why I think Poppy is the next billion dollar brand, right? It's because we do things different and we're not traditional with some of our thinkings and the way I look at um, the space that we're in and the way we market and all of these things, it's like, I hate a traditional corporate mindset, because I think that it can really stifle uh, creativity and qualities and talents and innovation. And so I would encourage anyone that hasn't listened to him to check it out, because I don't know if you ever have, but it's, it's interesting. Conflict is good. Uncomfortable yeah. is good, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, about uh, four or five years ago, at our company, we heard about uh, him, and um, we got a recommendation to check out his book, "The Five Dysfunctions of a Team." And so, mm-hmm. our entire leadership team read that book, and then we convened and talked about it and uh and work through it and um it was a great process for us and uh, i couldn't agree more we the takeaways uh for us were you know transparency openness honesty building building that culture of trust is so critical and so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what i'm hearing you say allison is if you don't have a culture of trust it's hard to innovate
1: it is it is yeah i think it really can hold you back and literally he talks about, you know, fractured team is just like a broken arm or a leg and fixing it is painful. Um, but sometimes you have to re-break it to make it heal correctly. And that re rebreak can hurt a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But you do it for a reason. So I think I always push our team um, to do things different. And I don't have a traditional pedigree, business, MBA, you know, anything like that. I just have my values and how hard I work and how I want to create a culture of happiness. And people love to work for Poppy and it creates innovation and everyone wants to do things different and push. So that's really important for us and for me.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, We found it very helpful. Um, Allison, how, you know, if you step back and look at uh, so-called success versus so-called failure and innovation. Any stories you can share uh, with with your listeners on one or both sides of the equation?
1: Sure. So I think we actually have the ultimate success versus failure story of we had a product mother previous to Shark Tank that the liquid was great, but the packaging was horrible and it was a complete failure because hmm we had to change the name, we had to change the packaging and, and I, you know, I kind of went through that process earlier, but the success that came out of it really was poppy and what we're seeing right now. And then on top of it, to this day, I still make every flavor that comes out of poppy. So I still do the formulation myself, the full innovation of what new flavors or anything that's coming up. Like I actually do it personally. Um, we tried to like outsource it at one time and it was not great. And so I ended up saying, Hey, I just have to keep this close to my heart and continue to do this. Um, and so we found the success and failure of trying to say, Hey, you know, I am the right person to do this versus someone else maybe doesn't have the same vision or taste that I, I would, but our motto is always fail quickly. Mm. <laughs> you know, fail quickly, pick motto. yourself up yeah. again and just keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of the motto of the company I work for, too. So you're <laughs> right. I mean, there will be failure. But um, um, I think it's so important to to not uh, get bogged down in that failure. Uh, if, if it is pivot, go to the next thing. And most importantly, you know, treat it as 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 an opportunity to learn and mm-hmm. grow. Um, I'm here with Allison Ellsworth, who is co-founder of Poppy, a really interesting beverage company. Um, Allison, as you look forward with uh, ongoing innovation at Poppy, um, what are are some of the ongoing challenges or speed bumps that you see?
1: Yeah, so... We actually just launched three new flavors. We have a classic cola, a root beer, and a dock pop. And those are your traditional soda flavors, which previously we, we had, you know, an orange soda, a strawberry lemon, you know, raspberry rose, a ginger lime, watermelon, like those kind of flavors. And there was a lot of speed bumps when whether or not we should do these classic flavors because we had so much success with these fruit flavors. And so it took me a long time to formulate, but what we saw is if we really want to be the leader in this better for you prebiotic soda category, you have to have those traditional soda flavors as well. And it was something we had always wanted to do um, and the team was pushing for us to do it because the consumer wanted it and and all these things. So a, a lot of that can be challenging along the way to have a lot of people coming at you like, hey, we need this. We need this. And I really did not want to release anything until I knew it was good. So it was probably about six months past what everyone would have liked. But I was OK with that. Um, so I think. When you're innovating, for me in this case, it's the new flavors of our classic line. But just stay true and like push and don't let those little things get in your way or it probably won't be as good as what it could be.
0: Mm -hmm. Good advice there. Um, So you've shared some recent things uh, going on at Poppy. What what can you share with our listeners on what's next for you or for Poppy?
1: Yeah. Since we did just launch that and I'm kind of saying, okay, we have to calm down on the flavors. We have a lot of flavors out there that goes back to manufacturing and time and how difficult those logistics can be. I want to, you know, just focus on trial and getting Poppy out to the stores and finding different ways. Cause now you don't have those traditional, um, demos that you would have in stores or events or 5Ks where you can get people to really try our product. And so something really exciting that we've done over here and that we want to continue to focus on is we really see ourselves as a digital first company. Hmm. And what I mean by that is we really spend a lot of time, money and effort in Getting poppy across the web, which everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, we do that on Instagram, you know, all these things. But I would say it's something that we've excelled in. So our growth online on our Instagram has been insane, and something that's always been in the back of my mind is TikTok. It's something everyone is talking about. It's actually really hard for a brand to break through on there because it's people just real authentic people. Mm. And so for me, but the reach is insane. You can get millions and millions of views on a video where if on Instagram it's the only people that see that are the people that follow you. So I would stay up late at night and at 3 a.m. Like, how can I break through on TikTok? <laughs> and so back in January I had one video go viral. And previous to that we were doing the fads and the dances and you know, not really talking about the product that much. And in this particular video, I sat down and I told the story of what I told you here today of how I created this in my kitchen. I went on to shark tank. I talked about my health issues. And as what we found is it really connected with the consumer because it was authentic and real Mm -hmm. and it broke through. And so since then, just over the, the past four months, uh, it's grown our email list, our SMS list, our sales baseline on Amazon have quadrupled. And this is all from being digitally first and pushing and finding different ways. And so I want to continue to innovate and push and find maybe what our competitors aren't doing or what other brands aren't doing. And so that's really a focus for us over here at Poppy to kind of stay in the forefront of that
0: that's interesting i guess what you could have done is just tried to copy or rip off ocean spray tiktok guy right
1: oh totally was, yeah
0: yeah but <laughs> but you didn't you you yeah. you you found an entirely different pathway but the key was to be authentic
1: yeah and so we found um i think back in january we had 300 followers and now we have close to 80,000 followers on tiktok in 4 months wow. and we're seeing it, like I said, grow and convert in store and online. What's really exciting is people are commenting, wow, I just went to Whole Foods and bought your product or Target or Publix. And so previously, what we were like, how do we get those people going to go into store with COVID and no taste testing? We're able to reach them. And I think we've had over 20 million views since January, which mm. is actually quite a bit on Instagram. I don't think we could do that in a whole year, right? Um, So I want to continue to innovate and push in those areas.
0: Interesting. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that volume of success. Um, So, Allison, I ask all of our uh, guests uh, the same question. It's a two-part question, which is, what advice would you give to two different sets of folks? First, people who are already in the food or CBG space innovating, and second, new people just starting their career in this space.
1: So I think my answer is probably going to be the same for both. Um, for innovators already in the food space and those just starting out is you have a ton of products out there that check boxes, right? Or fads, the the keto or the Atkins or the sugar-free and um, mm-hmm. it's it's actually really hard to keep up with. And I think some products do well and are super successful. So this isn't across the board, but I think at the end of the day, what people tend to forget about is taste is king. And um, you you have to have a product that tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like when I was creating Poppy, I said that before creating a product that is healthy and tastes good is actually really hard to do. And we, went back and forth and we use all natural plant based sweeteners of stevia and sugar. And people would say to me, why do you use sugar? And by the way, it's like four or five grams of sugar, 15 calories for the whole can. We're not talking a ton, but I said, mm. cause it tastes good. <laughs> mm. And I want people to enjoy drinking poppy. And I think there's something to having that balance. If you want to sustain and be there for the long term.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is very, very true. And you, and even if you look at a brand like Impossible, right? It's all about the taste, right? They, mm-hmm. you know, they they don't focus on you know the other ancillary benefits as much as they do on this is just great tasting, right? Um, okay. So if 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 innovators in the field uh, want to, uh, you know ping you or dialogue with you, Allison. what's the, what's the best way for folks to do that?
1: Yeah. So I think the best is you can reach out to hello at drink poppy. It actually still goes to me and one other person on our team. And we always read everything and get back to everyone. And then if you want to just check out more, it's drinkpoppy.com.
0: Excellent. Um, Allison, before we go into wrap up, any other, you know, comments or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: You know, I would just say this COVID thing is almost over. Stay strong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, this summer will be fun.
0: Yeah, I, the, knock on wood. Hopefully I know. this it's going to be a very, very different summer than last summer. I want to thank my guest today, Allison Ellsworth, who is co-founder of Poppy. Check it out. Really neat product. Uh, Allison, thank you so much for being on C2C today.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters CTOC, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.